0: I'm Marianne Kolbasek-McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Doug Copley, who has been working as a virtual CISO at several healthcare sector organizations in recent months, including a large academic medical center, a large health information exchange, and a medical malpractice insurance company. Doug will be discussing the security and privacy challenges he sees in these varied segments of the sector. So Doug, based on the work that you do at these different organizations, what are the top security and privacy-related challenges that you see in the various segments of the healthcare sector these days?
1: Well, certainly top of mind is data protection, but in different ways depending on the organization. And one of the benefits I get for working at multiple organizations is I get to see the differences by size. And so over the past nine months, I've worked at kind of three different size healthcare organizations and in different sectors of healthcare. And I look at a large health system and they certainly have better controls. They have stronger controls, but it can be very difficult and time-consuming to make changes in their security posture and in their security program. I look at organizations that are very small And they have very different needs from a security perspective, but it's much quicker and easier to implement things in a small organization. And so they can be much more nimble in adopting new technologies and putting new processes in place.
0: So it sounds as though the various levels of security maturity does matter in terms of these entities. And when it comes to the various... Things that they see as their top security challenges—does that differ much depending on the size and the maturity level? For instance, do the less mature entities tend to focus on things that perhaps might be easier for the larger organizations that have, you know, maybe deeper resources can deal with more quickly?
1: Yeah, that's true to an extent. You know, I, I think when I look across large system versus small system. Or small business associate. Like I mentioned a few minutes ago, it's it's easier for the smaller companies to implement newer technology, but they tend to really lack maturity because they may identify something and put it in place, but they don't. Really, they haven't really spent the time to build processes around it to understand the fact that. You know, maybe multiple people need to be involved in the process. And so from a process standpoint, the larger organizations tend to be more mature, but they tend to be much, much slower in implementing stuff. Now, that being said, I used to be a CISO at a very large health system. And, you know, the larger health systems have much more security resources at their disposal. And when I, when I refer to resources, I'm really thinking more along the lines of people expertise. And so you've got very good minds at work to try and determine how are we going to structure this, how are we going to position these technologies, how are we going to architect this program, and you you really lack that in the small organizations. So the smaller organizations tend to be much more tactical and lack kind of that, that leadership guidance, right, and kind of the higher level perspective of the security program and how to evolve
0: that. So now, Doug, as a virtual CISO, what sorts of work are you doing for these entities? And is your role as an interim position, as they look to fill the CISO role with a full-time person? Or is the role meant to get them on steadier ground from a security perspective?
1: You know, it really depends on, on what the organization's needs are. And first and foremost, I really started working as a virtual CIO and CISO, just because I really enjoy helping people in need. So for me, it really is the passion and trying to help the organizations that truly need the help. And so I offered up my services and I had a couple different organizations engage me. And so I'm pretty flexible in doing anything around privacy or security or IT, But let me give you some examples of what I've done with with these entities in the past year. The large health system that I was helping out was in a situation where they had a breach and they had reported it to the OCR, and now the regulator was coming back at them asking for all kinds of information, for risk assessments, for risk analysis, for remediation plans, and they had a long road ahead of them in terms of trying to get back on good, solid ground, and they really didn't have much of a security program at all. So, they brought me in to help them with their risk assessment, to help them structure a program and structure a team, and help them remediate the things that they needed to remediate. So, that was the scope of what I did for the large health system. When I engaged with this Health Information Exchange, which is the largest in the country, it's still a relatively small organization, but they were under guidance from the state that mandated that they get high trust certified. And they were about a third of the way through that process when the CISO left and took a different opportunity. And so in their case, they needed somebody who could come in and hit the ground running to help drive that high-trust certification effort as well as be their interim CISO while they looked for a replacement. And so that was that was quite the experience, and they eventually decided to promote from within. And so at that point, they've retained me to mentor their new CISO. So, you know, switched from an interim role to a mentoring role. And I also work for a medical malpractice insurance company. Again, a very small organization and kind of a different niche, but within the healthcare industry. And they came to me and said, you know what? We were a small company. We know we need to do a lot better when it comes to IT and security. We don't really have a strategy. We have just kind of miscellaneous tools and processes, and we really want somebody to be our CIO and CISO, but do it part-time because we can't afford to have a full-time person. We don't feel we need a full-time person, but we want somebody to, if you will, to steer the ship. And so that's what I do for them. And that's I do that kind of indefinitely for a set number of hours a week. So I really do enjoy the variety of work, and I really do enjoy helping these entities because they really need the expertise of somebody who's done this several times before and can guide them.
0: So Doug, with that all said, as for you working as a virtual CISO and the fact that you've been a you know, regular full-time CISO in the past, what do you like about being a virtual CISO as opposed to being a regular full-time position CISO? And what are the advantages and disadvantages of being a virtual CISO?
1: Well, let me start with some of the things that I really enjoy. Like I mentioned, I mean, for me, there's a passion around helping organizations that, you know, that really need some guidance and expertise when it comes to security and privacy, because I'm a former chief privacy officer in financial services as well. And so I really do get a lot of personal satisfaction out of helping companies in need. In addition, you know, if I think about this from the perspective of variety of work, Some people like a lot of change. They like variety when it comes to the things that they work on, and some people don't. I happen to be one of those people that really enjoy working on a variety of different things. And so being able to work for a small entity and a a large entity at the same time on different things, I really enjoy doing that. You know, I like the variety. I like switching gears. It kind of keeps my mind fresh. And another thing I enjoy about being the virtual CISO is that it allows me a lot of flexibility in my schedule. And so if I have personal things that I have to take care of on a particular day in the middle of the day, you know, most of the virtual CISO work is done remotely. And so it gives me a lot of flexibility to do those things in my personal life when I need to do them and kind of adjust my work schedule around that. I mean, I do travel on and off. But for the most part, I have a lot of flexibility in the timing of exactly when I work. On the downside, I have to find my own work, right? So I'm my own salesman. I'm my own marketing person. And that's kind of been a challenge for me because I've never really tried to sell my services before or advertise this type of thing and I really haven't done a lot of it. Most of the work that I've acquired has been through word of mouth, but it is up to me to find work. And if I don't have work, then I don't get paid. So that can be a challenge.
0: So now, Doug, in terms of promising security technologies that are being underutilized in various segments of the healthcare sector, what tops your list of of things that you think can make a big difference if these types of security technologies are implemented by these organizations?
1: You know, technology has come a long way, and it's come a long way in the healthcare sector as well.
0: You know, I think about
1: some of the technologies with, you know, people refer to it as AI, I like to say machine learning, and there's certainly a lot of technologies that leverage that today, and that is a great enabler, especially for smaller organizations that don't have resources. And so leveraging technologies that are using machine learning, they can get to investigations and analyzing things and identifying anomalies much quicker than humans can. And so that really helps from a resource perspective for organizations that either don't have a lot or can't afford to hire a lot of that out. I did put a a post out on LinkedIn and Twitter about blockchain technologies. It was a good article. It wasn't my article, but it was a good article about five promising technologies and five promising companies in healthcare that are leveraging blockchain. I think most people will admit that I don't think the technology is quite there yet, but I love to see stories of this nature where I see companies making progress. And so I think that can really make a big difference in healthcare once the technology is there and ready to be used and once organizations can put enough trust in the technology to actually use it. So think about putting your medical records out on a blockchain. There's a certain amount of trust that you have to be able to build before organizations and before individuals are going to be willing to do that.
0: Thanks, Doug. I've been speaking to Doug Copley. I'm Marianne Kolbasek-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.